Welcome to this episode of Artist Tales, the podcast that features and celebrates artists from different walks of life. I'm Heather Martin, and I'm speaking with Annette Gamblin, who is a punk photographer. I met Annette through a mutual friend. Welcome. Yes, hi. Thank you for having me. Well, it's really good to have you, Annette. You know, I'm quite excited to, to hear about your photography. So tell me a bit more about yourself and what you do. What is punk photography? Well, I'm actually an interfaith minister and also sort of kind of spiritual counsellor, an integrative counsellor. So that's really my foundation in life. And I'm also a Quaker, I'm a member of a Quaker community. So really, that's the basis for, for everything in my life, including the art. And as I see art as an expression, that kind of makes sense. Punk photography, if we're already straight into that, is because I've got no skills. So it's really purely spirit. So I just simply use a smartphone and then I take pictures and then I use various filters and also often work with accidents that happen, you know, and there's just some point, at some point, all of a sudden something clicks into place and I know that's it. It's a feeling. It's a very strong feeling. And that's really what I love about it most. That's really interesting. And tell me more about why do you call yourself punk photography? What, what is that? Well, because it, relating to punk music, when punk music came out, so it's not really about being revolutionary and anti-establishment. It's really more about that anybody can do it. You know, that, that you didn't have to go to the conservatoire or learn an instrument for years and years and years. It really was about anybody can do this. So for me, it's it's a sense that anybody can do this. So if you've got a smartphone, I have an iPhone and and just, simple use of filters and things you can you can create something quite amazing I think <laughs> and what's what sort of subjects do you like to photograph well I've got various themes really that kind of that grab me so I mainly see colors and shapes before I see it's about seeing it's what I see I have several themes that kind of really grab me and it's all to do with that first of all I see shapes and colors I don't really necessarily see an object or a subject so that comes first and so the subject somehow may grow out of it or a concept may grow out of it but it's a it's a very very immediate thing it's a no thinking thing it's about seeing really seeing something it is what I see and it's in the moment it's quite a visceral experience as well. And I have the same experience when I, when I see other people's art as well, which is quite nice. So the, the themes are, sometimes I will do a portrait, but that happens. It's not planned, it happens. And then I play around with it until I feel that I've got some uniqueness or some kind of essence of that person in, in the picture. But that's not really the big part. So, but I do sometimes do that. I like mandalas. So wherever I see mandalas, obviously you see lots of them in nature and flowers and things like that. So I love playing around with, with that cactuses and, you know, there's lo loads of them all over the place. And I like that because it's a symbol of wholeness. And, and that's something that really, really interests me, the idea of wholeness, because that is what healing is about. That is what, to me, what everything is about. Spirituality is about being whole, being psychologically healthy is about being whole. So I do like the idea of mandala, which obviously also was used by Carl Gustav Jung. 
Then I also have a little series which I call self-reflection, which is, you know, catching my an image of myself in shop windows or in a puddle or in, in all sorts of different places um, on a flower pot. And these ones I just kind of keep to myself and they're, they're kind of a form of selfie really, but I call them self-reflection and I just love the idea of, I giggle to myself really. I love the idea of the, of the double meaning of that, you know, the reflection of self, but also the idea of deep self-reflection. So that's just for me. And then I really like things in decay. I love, you know, something that someone else might not see at all. I love posters that have been around for a long time and they're peeling off the wall or um, paint that's um, falling off somewhere. All sorts of things, natural things that are decaying. And that is about seeing the beauty because I think the artist's eye is about seeing beauty. So even seeing the beauty in something that's decaying, and that there is beauty in that. And it's kind of sort of like, you know, how there's some wisdom stories where the saints are dressed as a beggar and you don't see this incredible saint. It's sort of a similar kind of thing to that, really, in a way. Yes, and I think the the seeing aspect, you know, you see something and you want to take a picture of it. It's not capturing. It's It's being in that moment of what you see. And it's also, it's to do with awe if you like. I think all this A-W-E is something that's awe-inspiring. There's something about that. To me, that's a spiritual function. All sort of connects us with something that's bigger than ourselves. It makes us humble. It makes us feel peaceful and all those sorts of things. So that's what I experience. And that's what I, that's why I do it. I don't do it so that it hangs on somebody else's wall or that I have to sell any of these things, but that is why I do it. I have quite a number of friends that have got something on their wall, but I, you know, I'm not that a professional artist per se that I do these things so that somebody will buy them. It's literally for that experience that, that I, I get when I do it. And once it's happened, once it's complete, there's a point when it all sort of clicks into place. Before I did the photography, I, would, I was doing collages. So that's cutting out lots of things. And so it's the same kind of idea. You've got all these different aspects. And at some point, all of a sudden, there is the completed whole image. And that produces that feeling. And once that feeling sets in, that's it. It's done. And then I can go back and look at it later on. And it's almost like, it's not, oh, that's mine, or I made that. I can look at it and it's like a completely separate thing from me. And I can still sometimes, um, it's very rare that I then don't like it anymore. <laughs> I still like it. But that's an interesting thing for me. So yeah, that, that this, this idea that this very personal, that it belongs to me. And, you know, I, I, I've met people who found it very difficult to sell some of their art because they get so attached to it. But for me, it's it's just about the experience. It's sort of it's it's, kind of, it's like being a Quaker, isn't it? It's sort of it's about the experience in the moment and what you connect with, and it, that's all it is. Once that moment's gone, it's gone. But with with a piece of art, you have produced something and you have completed something, and there is something that is left over. So it sounds like a kind of personal relationship with a moment, or you know where you are at that moment in time. For mm-hmm. instantaneous, and it sounds like you do your art is more of a personal thing rather than you know oh I have to sell it. It's just it, it's just something you do. 
Mm, yeah, but if it's it's still it's a compulsion. I do feel compelled. You know, if I'm out and about, and all of a sudden I'll see something, and that feeling starts building up, and I feel, oh my gosh, I've got to. I'm seeing this, and I'd like to follow this and take a picture and see where that takes me because that's a process. It's not done in the moment. There is the seeing. There's the taking the image and then there is playing around with the image, which I might do immediately or might do it a bit later on. And then sometimes I just delete everything because nothing happens. And then sometimes something does happen. So, yeah. No, it is. It is. I do feel compelled to do it. There is a calling from the soul. I think most artists would say that it's something, it's an expression of their soul in their art somewhere. In actual fact, yesterday... As it happens, I went to see the Van Gogh live, you know, the immersive experience, and which is all about colour and all about music and words all together. And there's some lovely, lovely quotes from him. And I think there is one point where the quote is about, you know, that it's kind of like the language of the soul. Yeah, I really like that. And how did you find that in terms of interacting? So obviously you have that very personal compulsion is, is to use your words that sort of personal compulsion to to do art or to do you know it's, it's currently the photography but what's your relationship with other people's art so if you went to the Van Gogh you know how did so what's your relationship with that art and how you know would that influence kind of what you're doing oh I just love I love uh, going to see other people's art I get the same feeling often looking at someone else's piece and Obviously, not everything touches me and moves me, but um, the things that do give me exactly that same feeling. And it's and the feeling that I'm left with after that is I want to go out and do some more. <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, it's, it's sort of really inspiring and really sort of infectious again, you know, to sort of go out and do some more. Now, I started going to exhibitions as a teenager, you know, on my own. Nobody said, now you must go and do this. And I remember the very first exhibition I ever saw was Edvard Munch in Munich and just the feeling and the emotions that it creates you know really just feeling moved you know and then you learn about the artist as well and, and that sort of stuff and then you know that's a whole other dimension I don't think you need to know about an artist and their lives in order to appreciate anything because I think what you as an artist create and the feeling is not the same thing that someone else sees as two completely different things. So to, to ever expect that someone will necessarily understand or see you in their art, I think is, is a mistake to expect that. I think you will only ever see yourself really in anything that you look at, you know. Obviously you can learn about it and there's a whole, you know, art history and, and all those, but those are the things that interest me a bit less. <laughs> it's more about the experience. I do find that as well. And I, you know, I, I do exhibit, I'm, I'm probably a bit like you in that I do my art for very personal reasons and I don't tend to sell it. So I also do photography and there's one photography group I'm a member of. And I get sometimes frustrated when people say, well, explain to me what, what did, you know, what drove you to do this? And I was thinking, well, actually my, my relationship with whatever I produce is, is very different. And I, and I often ask, well, what's, what's the narrative you see? What do you see? How do you explain it to yourself? So mm-hmm. I find that as well. And I, I do get a little bit frustrated of always having to have an artist statement and explain. And it's like, well, actually, I agree with you. And it's, we all have a different relationship, whether it's our own art or other people's art. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've seen, obviously, I've seen your, your photos on the ones that you've got on Facebook. And I also see that kind of your way of seeing something that someone else might completely miss and sort of seeing something beautiful and something ordinary. And that is something I absolutely love, you know, because to me, again, that is what the spiritual life is about as well, is really the beauty in the ordinary or, you know, the adventure in the ordinary, you know. And I think you've got that as well. From what I, This is what I'm seeing. <laughs> and, and that's how you see it and that's how you relate to it. And I'm glad that you can see it without saying, Heather, <laughs> what did you mean by that? You know, it's like, well, yeah, because we all have different relationships. And sometimes it is nice to know a little bit about the artist. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it is about the art. And sometimes when things are thousands of years, years old, yeah, we have very limited, if any, information about the artist. You know, we may have some inkling about the culture, which can be quite interesting. But yeah. you know, it's it's kind of reinterpreting things for ourselves. That's the word, and I think you know when you say it can be really fascinating. Obviously, it's like storytelling, or sometimes it even can turn into gossip when you know an artist has been particularly scandalous or something. But it's more of a storytelling and then you begin to psychologically or otherwise interpret the paintings in, in the view of what you've now have learned about the artist. So your own immediate relationship begins to disappear. And especially with very, very famous artists where there's so much written about them, it's almost, you know, to, to, to view their paintings, it's almost impossible without the whole library that's behind sort of their art, if you see what I mean. I do, yeah. I'd like to go back um, to something you said earlier about you, you did collages. So how did you get into collage? Well, that's a really good question I, because I've never really thought about it. But I think it is because of that desire to create and not having the tools otherwise, not being able to paint or draw, you know, to any sort of satisfaction, you know, that I, that I draw something and then it feels like that is what I was feeling and now there it is on a piece of paper. That just would never happen. Whereas with a collage, I could do that. I could, you know, just cut different pieces, bits and pieces, and eventually all of a sudden something happens on the piece of paper when they're all that that gives me that feeling and that experience of this is now a piece of art <laughs> because for me I mean I've never done collage or I may have done at school but I've never really got gotten into it it's mm. almost like these snippets of life and as I'm hearing you talk it kind of feels like it's taking snippets of life and kind of I don't know reimagining them or kind of it's a bit like storytelling and how we explain things to each other we kind of we, we all have snippets of life and try to make sense of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's again, it's about wholeness because the different pieces are fragments and then you put them all together and they become one image, they become whole. So I quite like that, that these fragments can, you know, become meaningful. And also each fragment obviously in themselves had something that attracted me. So each fragment in itself is something whole, but then it forms a relationship with all the other fragments to, to become a, a new whole and an even more beautiful whole. <laughs> and how did you move from collages to photography? I love photography. I just simply love photography. It's, it's a form of art that I really, really like, and I love looking at photographs. 
I mean, yesterday coming away from this, the exhibition, I've just popped into the Geographic Society because they had a photo- photography exhibition in there, a small one about planet Earth. And, you know, just walked around that and went, oh, God, look at that, you know, that sort of thing. I just, I love photography. It's just amazing. Yeah. So, and, and then having a smartphone and nowadays we all snap away, it, it was really a very natural kind of progression. I wasn't looking for a tool. It, it just sort of happened, really. I was going to say that because I, I mean, I've been doing photography for many years and I, when I first got got into it, it was probably just the cusp of the digital age, that kind of overlap between analog and digital. And it has taken, you know, many years to kind of have that shift. But, you know, going from film to digital and digital, it's it's opened up so many things for people and made it much more accessible. You know, whereas with film, you had a camera and you got, you know, and you had to get it developed. Whereas you have to, often people have smartphones or a little kind of portable, much smaller digital camera. So it's kind of opened it up to, to a lot more people. Yes, exactly. And that's why I call it punk photography. <laughs> yeah. And, and But also, you know, obviously there's people that love their tools. I have a friend who I often go, um, we go to Kew Gardens and we do, you know, we walk around and take photographs together and totally sort of get each other doing it sort of thing. And she's got a huge camera with a huge lens and she does, you know, the most beautiful photographs of very, very close up, which I can't do. So it's always very interesting and just shows me that, you know, there's many, many ways of being creative and that some people having a tool that they can love and also be fascinated by, because that also involves them and engages them, which is a whole other process. But that's just not for me. I don't, I don't want to have a really complicated camera and, and all of that sort of stuff. I think you're right. You know, we're all drawn to whatever we do in different avenues and people you know, I'm probably somewhere in the middle of that. I do have some nice cameras and there's just something about having, and I just do have a smartphone. I do use, you know, do take pictures on it, but you know, there, there's something about the type of camera you're using. I still do film, although with COVID, not as much, but there's something about the character of the tool you're using. And, you know, I will get different results, you know, whether it's film, whether it's digital, what camera am I using, regardless of whether it's film or digital, you know, and each have a slightly different thing to it. And some of the, you know, analog film based ones are very tactile, which for me, I love. So it's it's kind of interesting to, to recognize that myself. But it's also interesting to listen to somebody like you who's just like, no, just give me something simple. I just want to see things. Because I think as photographers, we probably are all doing this, you know, all want to see something, but it's different routes to, to capturing that. Yeah, yeah. And did you, sorry, I know I'm asking you a question, but did you grow up with art at all in your family or what was your family's attitude towards art? Yeah, and I, I would say I feel very fortunate that to some degree, yes, and it was much more around the music, musical art. So my brothers and I, you know, played instruments. Certainly the photography was something I just, kind of developed an interest in but at least you know we I was taken to museums and art galleries periodically growing up so at least I had that exposure and I know not everybody has that so I feel very privileged you know because I think that is you know and very fortunate I think those are the words that are probably most appropriate but I did have that exposure which I really recognize not everybody does have that opportunity or has that exposure yeah yeah and I actually got 
quite a, a sort of very interesting family background um, to do with art, which relates to my grandfather. My grandmother was actually a painter, and my my grandfather um, founded an art publishing company in Munich uh, called Pieper, Pieper Verlag um, Publishing Company. And he, that was in 1904, and he published, he had a, a lifelong friendship with two major German artists, one called Ernst Barlach, who was a sculptor and writer, and Max Beckmann, who is a name that maybe people would know more. And also he he sort of published the works by a group of artists in, in and around Munich called the Blue Rider Group, which was painters like Kandinsky, Franz Marc, uh, Paul Klee, Kubin, Feininger. So there was a whole group of sort of avant-garde artists that at the time, and he only kept sort of buying little sketches of them, but he also published their, their paintings. And when the war broke out, they most of them became part of Hitler's degenerate art and they all had to sort of, you know, it became, they could no longer, none of this could anymore um, happen. And my grandfather had to temporarily go to and live in Switzerland and things like that. And when he would, when after the war, the publishing company became more opened up to fiction and all sorts of other things. But that that was sort of the background. And so most of the, a lot of people in my family are quite artistic and they, they all have sort of the walls are full with, with little, you know, paintings or, or drawings or that sort of thing. So I've grown up with that, with, with just that art was something wonderful and not a waste of time, which, you know, I can imagine in some families, people might think, you know, it's just, you know, you can't make money out of it. It's a silly thing. So it was a serious thing in my family. So And like you, I feel that's a real privilege to have grown up with that. Yeah, and to have the exposure, indeed. Yeah, and and how much, I mean, it sounds like that has influenced you, at least to have that exposure and to have that history in the family that's really influenced you. And is it more that kind of awareness of family or do you find that, you know, it, it influences what you do, whether it's to collage or to photography or whatever artwork you you decide to to do I don't any of that at all I think it's just having had permission in the first place and that that art was something you know special and and good in life but I think out of that really is the love love of art you know just the love that's come through and then and I feel it's something you know like come from the ancestors and come through me and 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 my daughter is also quite artistic and she plays music and and all of that. So just just that sense that there's it's kind of it's something that flows through. Yeah, so it kind of flows through your veins, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's just something, if you have that exposure and that appreciation and love, it, it kind of carries on with you as well. Yeah, and also when you're surrounded with things on the wall, you know, when you grow up with things that are actually hanging up on the wall and that are unique that you know somebody made that it wasn't it's not a print or do you know what I mean it's Mm -hmm. I mean it could be the most curious thing but nevertheless it was yeah it's it's something different that's hanging up there it's so true yeah and we did have art in the walls as well so yeah there was at least the appreciation enjoyment of it certainly with COVID I mean how was that has that disrupted what you've done or have you kind of shifted the sorts of things that you're taking pictures of 
No, not at all, because, you know, we've been going for lots of walks. So <laughs> plenty of times of, and especially when Kew Gardens opened up again. I spent a lot of time in Kew Gardens. I've got a membership. So, yeah. And think just, just being out and about. No different. No, no different. different. No, that's great. Well, Almost like, sorry, I interrupted you there, but I almost find it a weird question because I don't think it's, you know, that creative desire, I don't think that that is dependent on any circumstances. I think it comes from, from deep within. So it just kind of, whatever the circumstances are, it will see something. Yeah, no, that's true. And I think it's not so much that it would cease to be, it was more how does it, it's almost like, does it, influence it or does it push it a certain way because you're not doing what you would quote unquote normally be doing you know so but it sounds like you it just incorporate it in sort of your day-to-day really I mean one thing I would have loved to have done is to go into London and take loads of photos of all the empty streets and all that. I mean and I think people have done that definitely but that you know that would have been an obvious thing and and I would have loved to have done that actually just yeah. how it looked so different yeah, I've, I've popped in very rarely into London and it just felt very eerie not having the same level of people, you know, numbers of people there. <laughs> but I think there are more and more people going in. But yeah, it's just not that I went in very often. It, it was, you know, I was months not going in, but the odd, very odd time I would go in for a haircut or something when the hairdressers were open, it just felt unreal. You know, yeah. it, it didn't feel like the London I knew, if you know what I mean. But you see, immediately when that feeling sets in that piques my interest you know something starts to feel unreal like oh gosh mm, this is interesting you know and maybe take a picture somewhere well thank you it's been lovely chatting with you about your your artwork and and uh, what you do so thank you for for your time and it's really wonderful talking to you yeah oh and thank you i've totally enjoyed it and thank you for asking me for the invitation thank you this is the last episode in this series of artist tales Thanks for listening to this episode and the first series. Further information about the artist in this last episode is in the episode notes. I hope you enjoyed the last episode and the first series. Please rate and review on the apps and spread the word. You can get in touch by emailing artisttales at gmail.com. This podcast is on social media. Check the information in the episode notes. I hope you join me in the next series.